Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I used to suffer from insomnia no matter what I did. I just couldn't get a perfect night's sleep. Well, then I met Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. He got me fitted for my very own MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962. Use the promo code SEAN to take advantage of Mike's two-for-one offer. Now, MyPillow is made right here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And by the way, you can even wash it and dry it. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962, promo code Sean, to get Mike's special two-for-one offer. All right, happy Monday, and we're glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravagant. How many days now? 11 days away we got left of Obama's presidency, the mess that he has made for this country. It's kind of exciting to have, uh, you know, I'm looking at some of the economic news today, and I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty cool stuff. You know, I'm looking, let's see, this guy, President-elect Donald Trump, had a great meeting with this Alibaba guy, the executive chairman, uh, Jack Ma is his name. They discussed creating, how can we create a million new U.S. jobs? You know, when we talk to our employment guys, express employment professionals, every time I talk to the the owner, uh, Bob Funk, every time I talk to this guy, he's excited about his company and how many jobs he's created. He wants to create a million jobs a year. What did I talk about the whole election year? The forgotten man, the people on food stamps and poverty. I have a picture of the forgotten man by John McNaughton, the artist, hanging right up here in my studio. I have the original in my garage. Uh, I haven't taken it out. I don't know because it's so hard to open this thing. I know. I, tra- I digress. But anyway, they're focused on small business. We specifically talked about supporting one million small businesses, especially in the Midwest of America. Well, that makes me happy. Well, whoa, that doesn't help you, Hannity. Well, it's not about me. It's like all these people that call in, well, Hannity, you never mentioned the stock market. 
what, what, what does the stock market do for somebody out of work, out of the labor force, in poverty and on food stamps? They, they, they don't give a rip about the stock market. I don't even give a rip about the stock market because I don't trust it. Anyway, so they're talking about creating a million jobs here in the country. That's a million careers for a million Americans. Now, Ford and all these other companies and Carrier, they're, they're all now committed to pulling out of their, their money because of the changing economic climate, the end of burdensome regulation, the end of confiscatory taxation. And they're saying, all right, you know what? We're going to give America a chance again. Then they got repatriation money. Then you've got energy independence. Then you've got savings. Hopefully people will have with Obamacare. There's a lot of good things that are potentially in the works here that are going to make this a better country. There are some there are some things I'm a little worried about. Why are they upping the debt limit nine trillion dollars? Why did Congress, you know, I'm, I'm listening to um, to Ted Senator Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. They're both right. Why is a Republican Congress upping the debt limit? Nine trillion, nine and a half trillion over the next 10 years. That that's a warning sign. If we're not going to have pay as you go for this one trillion dollar stimulus they're talking about, it, that's a disaster. Of course, the Democrats want to spend more money on infrastructure. Well, you'd get more bang out of your buck if you take the money out of D.C. and and have the money directly apportioned to whatever state project you're working on. Let the states handle it. They'll do a much better job. Just like Medicare, Medicaid, give get everything back to the states, education back to the states. It would all be good. Fiat Chrysler announced a huge U.S. investment, including thousands of new job. And Fiat Chrysler is going to add three new Jeeps to its lineup, including a pickup truck. And they're investing a billion dollars in two U.S. factories, furthering its effort to increase production of the SUVs and pickup trucks and, and get out of producing small and midsize cars. They think it'll create a couple of thousand jobs at least, and uh, that's good news for everybody. Maybe not a lot, but if you're in Ohio, if you're in Michigan, you're in Pennsylvania, that means a lot. You open up fracking and all the energy jobs that would be available for the infrastructure and pipelines and Keystone and everything in between, that's going to be good for everybody as well. Now, I want to stop here for a second. And what did I say to you on Tuesday when I got back from my only one once a year long vacation where I find God, I, I find myself again. I realize how exhausted I am from the year. I slept the first week just to recover and become a normal person. And then I had one week of normal activity and then I'm back into the grind. Like, like everybody else. I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. Um, but I said to you when I got back, you better gird your loins. Linda laughed and she's laughing now. Because it is going to be a battle. I'm not going to tell you who I wrote a note to today, but I wrote a note to somebody today about what life is going to be like in Washington, D.C., and I'm I'm just trying to be, how do I say this, as supportive as I can be. And I was trying to warn this person as a friend of mine, you got to watch very quickly. There are going to be a lot of people around the president when Donald Trump, the president-elect now, soon to be President Donald Trump, that you're going to discover they want to serve their country and they want to serve their president. And they have that as their goal. And there's going to be a group of other people that I, you'll, and you'll find out very quickly who are there to serve themselves. That's just the way. And, and one of the lines I use was corporate power struggles. It's child's play compared to D.C., 
It's like everybody wants to be in the mix. Everybody wants time with the president. Everybody wants FaceTime. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants that. And then my other bit of advice for this friend of mine was that you better cross every I and every T as it relates to law and ethics because something that is even minor and insignificant, the same Democrats that made every excuse for Hillary's server in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom, this will be blown way out of proportion. And it's so important from my perspective that you understand, all of you people going into the administration, I know many of you listen to this program. In America today, we now criminalize political differences. The left, and if you don't believe this, then you're naive. The left has a goal. They want to destroy the presidency of Donald J. Trump. They don't want him to succeed. They have no problem at all hurting those around him. As a matter of fact, I think they prefer as much collateral damage as possible. And so anybody that's going into the administration, you better understand that it is imperative that you find the people that have the country and the president's best interest at heart and that you dot every I and you cross every T. Is that good advice, Linda? Am I correct or am I wrong? I'm right. I know I'm right. 30 years in radio, I know I'm right. It's not a question. I'm sure probably some people would roll their eyes and say, oh, Hannity, you're paranoid. No, I'm not. You follow my advice, you'll come out on the other end of this clean as a whistle. You don't follow my advice. I put other things in there to add on to or add color to what I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. Now, it's going to get ugly, and tomorrow the ugliness begins. Before Barack Hussein Obama ever became president, seven— of his cabinet officials were already confirmed. Now the process of slander, besmirchment, destruction, politics of personal destruction begins because this is what Democrats know and this is what they do. You know, where did the term borking come from? Well, Robert Bork was probably the most qualified intellectual that would have ever been on the Supreme Court. And Ted Kennedy and company... They went out and do what they do best. They smeared, they slandered, they besmirched. Listen. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions. Blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters. Rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids. And school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government. It was and is a lie. And Robert Bork was smeared and slandered. I remember Ray Donovan, who worked for Ronald Reagan after he was found not guilty of charges brought against him. Where do I go to get my good name back? More recently, although pretty long time ago, this has been going on forever. Clarence Thomas has become one of the greatest Supreme Court justices of modern times. Great intellectual. Also a great human being. If you never read his book, My Grandfather's Son, You need to read it. It is such a good book. It tells you so much about the man that I've come to admire greatly. I'm not good friends with him. I know him. I'm an acquaintance of his. I just admire him so much as a human being. And remember what he went through? He described it as this. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. It is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, you will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured, 
by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Wow. You hear that? That is so powerful because it's so true. And that's what they did to this great man. Every election, when we begin an election cycle, what do I always warn you about? The Democratic Party and how they play the race card. You know, 1998, elect Republicans, black churches will will burn, according to a radio ad by the Democratic Party in Missouri. 2000, it's like my father was killed all over again, the James Byrd ad. And George W. Bush, he didn't support hate crimes legislation. He just supported the death penalty for the animals that were involved in the dragging death of this innocent man, James Burt. And then it goes on from there. This is just a small sampling of racial politics that we get every election season. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking guy. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. No. cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a fully, I'm not joking. I'm actually old enough to remember the good old days, and they weren't all that good in many ways. That message where I'll give you America great again is if you're a white Southerner, you know exactly what it means, don't you? Mitt Romney, he's speaking to a population of this, a segment of the population who does not like to see people other than a white man in the White House or in any other elected position. I don't know how anyone of Hispanic heritage could be a Republican, okay? Do I need to say more? Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African-Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. No, I think that they played the race card on me. And we now know from memos from the campaign and everything that they plan to do it all along. On June 7, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. Now, why am I setting the stage and giving you a history lesson here about the Democrats and their use of the race card? I'll explain that to you when we get back, because the nomination process for 
Donald Trump's cabinet picks begins tomorrow. And when I tell you who has been picked to lead the Democratic attack on Senator Sessions, who is probably one of the most decent men in Washington with a track record second to none on civil rights, it won't surprise you because it's the same old book the Democrats use all the time. And they want to smear and besmirch and slander Jeff Sessions. And I'll tell you who's leading the way when we get back and uh, what you can do about it. Because if you don't involve yourself, like I told you last Tuesday, if you think you can vote Donald Trump's the president, Republican House, Republican Senate, you can just walk away, that's not going to work out very well. If you don't put pressure on those people you put in power, then the things that could get done will never get done. It's going to take your full engagement for the next four years. And I'm all in. I want this country to get on the proper trajectory. I want the right Supreme Court. I want to vet refugees. I want to get rid of burdensome regulation, the bureaucracy, high taxes, get rid of Obamacare, energy independence, education to states, build the wall. These are all great ideas that will make the country stronger. Okay, winter is on the way, and if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat, and that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action, number one. And, I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat, with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and, of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat, and, wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CBS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because they are the best. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Now, if you're just joining us, you missed a huge setup I have just had. And that is, okay, so they, they borked Robert Bork. We now use it, I guess, as an adjective. And they, they smeared, they slandered, they besmirched, they attacked his character. They successfully kept one of the most brilliant, most brilliant legal minds off the Supreme Court. High-tech lynching, I played you Clarence Thomas. Democrats throughout the years playing the race card, I played that too. And why did I play all this? What am I leading up to? Well, now we see Washington uh, Examiner, PJ Media, other sources are now reporting today that it looks like the Democratic point man to lead the attack on Trump Attorney General nominee Senator Sessions will be none other than that voice of judicial moderation and political tolerance, the Reverend Al Sharpton. They quote him in the Washington Examiner, quote, to have Senator Sessions As Attorney General is a nightmare we can't wake up from, he said. PJ Media. Sharpton promised a season of civil disobedience in reaction to the Sessions nomination, saying activists have planned a march in Washington on January 14th during the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. We're not just going to, we're not just doing this to be doing it. We do it because we can lead to change. And believe me, there will be a season of civil disobedience, particularly around the Sessions nomination. And you have another headline today. I'm not sure where this was from. 
Sharpton promises a season of civil disobedience in response to Sessions' nomination. Okay, so this is the guy leading the charge, this guy. I'm tired of the Mac and You ain't nothing. You're a punk faggot. Now come on, do something. David, David. Yes. yes. You want to be the only nigga on television. The only nigga in the newspaper. The only nigga can talk. Don't cover them. Don't talk to them. Because you got the only nigga problem. Because you know if a black man stood up next to you, they would see you for the hall that you really are. White folks was in the cave when we had built empires. We learned to admire them, but they knew to admire us. We built pyramids where Donald Trump ever knew what architecture was. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek homos ever got around. White Indolope, I said I was wrong. Uh, uh, cracker, though I think Cracker is a certain personification of a certain type of person down south, just like redneck. I mean, you know, some people misinterpret Cracker meaning all whites is not true, but the confusion means you shouldn't use it. I mean, sometimes being flippant, you say things you shouldn't say because it gets in the way of your message and people don't really understand what you're saying. Yeah, okay, he's leading the charge against Jeff Sessions. Imagine if I said that stuff over the years. Can you see me leading any Republican charge for anything? No. By the way, we got to send a shout-out. Another dead police officer, this time again in Florida, happens to be a, an African-American woman, police officer, serving her community. She was killed by a guy that was already accused of murder. So sad. You know, it's, and, and nobody wants to pay attention. There has been a war on police. And I do believe the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter and the support they've gotten from Hillary and Obama has not been helpful or the president rushing to judge judgment in oh the cambridge police acted stupidly you know supporting michael brown freddie gray trayvon martin before any facts evidence are presented i do believe it contributed so one of my staff members here got an email from the human rights campaign urgent tell the senate to block sessions dear michael by the way i don't even have a michael on my on my staff, but anyway, let me be, no, I'm not going to say it's you. No, I'm not giving you up. No, I'm not. Why would I do that? I'm not like that. That is a mean thing that you would even suggest that I do that. It's me. You can tell everyone it's me. I don't know how I got on this list, how but did I got you, it. How do you get called Michael? Did somebody forward this to you? Or you actually got no, the email to my, you. My brother's name is actually Michael, but I get these weird human rights emails and I keep them because I need to know about my enemy. It says, let me be clear. Nobody with a long record of attempting to undermine our nation's promise of equality has any business serving as the chief law enforcement officer of the United States We need you to contact your senators immediately, urging them to block the appointment of Jeff Sessions as attorney general. Donald Trump's selection of Senator Jeff Sessions to head the Department of Justice is a major step in the wrong direction for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. I I won't even say the words they use. Americans. In fact, Sessions is so extreme. He was a 2014 inductee into Hillary Rodham Clinton's Hall of Shame and has a scored of zero on our congressional scorecard again and again he voted against the repeal of don't ask don't tell well didn't don't ask don't tell come from bill clinton i mean it's just so and then they go on hate crimes listen it's like george bush didn't support hate crimes for james bird but he did support the death penalty for those animals that were responsible for the dragging death of james bird 
He even led the fight to permanently ban marriage equality in every state. He wants it to go back to the states. You know, all of these are nuanced issues. You know, and then they're going after him on, on his civil rights record. You know, it just is appalling because this is what you're not going to hear. That Senator Sessions voted in favor of a 30-year extension of the Civil Rights Act. Are Democrats going to bring that up? Senator Sessions, and I actually disagreed with him on this. I don't disagree with him often. I think he's one of the most talented, gifted people and strong conservatives and principled people. One of the nicest people I've ever met in Washington. You know, everybody changes in Washington. He's not one of them. Senator Sessions, though, was one of only 17 Republicans to vote to confirm Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder. Okay, shows that he's fair and he believes the president has the right to pick his own cabinet. Senator Sessions spearheaded the effort to award the Congressional Gold Medal to Rosa Parks. We all know the story of Rosa Parks, Alabama native, civil rights icon. He worked with Cory Booker and led the fight in the Senate to award the Congressional Gold Medal to the foot soldiers of the civil rights movement in Selma, Alabama. One of the great, great life lessons I ever had was meeting all of these great civil rights heroes when I was in Atlanta. And I told you I had them on all the time. Joe Lowry, Andrew Young. They, they all hated my politics, hated me. But, but I'm best friends with Hosea Williams. Love these. Maynard Jackson welcomed me to the city of Atlanta many years ago. Anyway, the gold, Congressional Gold Medal to the foot soldiers in the civil rights movement in Selma, Alabama. He publicly supported ongoing efforts to commemorate Within the National Park Service, the heroic actions of the 61 Freedom Riders in Anniston and Calhoun County, Alabama. I mean, okay, well, he voted against hate crimes legislation. Okay, well, Senator Sessions' opposition was both procedural and substantive. Does he have to explain everything procedurally? Such legislation should be fully debated and considered both in the Committee of Jurisdiction and the floor of the House and Senate. And yet this was inserted into the annual Department of Defense authorization bill. Oops, sorry. Substantively, the legislation lacked the appropriate constitutional federal nexus as the federal government does not possess a general police power. Oh, Hannity, when you say it that way. Well, he voted against the Violence Against Women's Act. Okay, primarily because that bill invited immigration fraud by extending temporary visas to immigrants who are present in the country illegally, but later claim to have suffered from domestic violence. Oh, so you mean there's there's actual nuance? There's actual revision and extending of one's remarks? And it also gave Native American tribal courts criminal jurisdiction over non-Native Americans for the first time in our country's history. Those are big issues. Those are big caveats. But, of course, you're not going to hear about it in the slander sessions you know who the person was, all this talk, Al Sharpton? I wonder if Al Sharpton is proud of Jeff Sessions because he worked with, of all people, Senator Dick Durbin. Remember the disparity in sentencing between powder and crack cocaine? And particularly African-Americans were disproportionately punished because they used a different form of cocaine, which was fundamentally wrong and unfair. Well, the Crack Cocaine Fair Sentencing Act that was passed in 2010, well, you can thank Senator Jeff Sessions for that. And it reduced the penalties for crack possession, which many felt unfairly targeted African-Americans. Work with Kennedy, of all people, on the Prison Rape Elimination Act. When he was a top civil rights enforcement officer. Oh, people forget that he worked with the DOJ and the FBI and others and literally solved the murder of a 19-year-old African-American, Michael Donald. 
Anyway, he prosecuted this guy, Tiger Knowles, as an accomplice, obtaining a guilty plea and a life sentence in federal court. After investigative work, he shifted the case of the KKK murderer, Henry Hayes, to a state court where he received the death penalty. Oh, hang on a second. That doesn't sound like... Then, of course, he was involved, and he joined the first lawsuit in the history of the Department of Justice to stop the suppression of African-American voting rights in 1983. Hmm. Doesn't sound very racist to me. And then after a district court found that at large found that the at-large system for electing members to a county commission, local board of education, diluted the voting rights of African Americans in violation of the Voting Rights Act. Sessions assisted the DOJ and the Civil Rights Division in working with private plaintiffs to craft a, a districting plan to ensure that African Americans had equal opportunity to elect the candidates of their choice. They also did it back in the 70s in Dallas County. The Department of Justice sued Dallas County, Alabama, to replace its at-large election system with a district system. Under the new district system, African Americans had a much better chance of electing candidates of their choice. Even supported by the ACLU, Sessions supported the DOJ Civil Rights Division there. And it goes on and on and on. But that's not, you know, and then you get the testimony and you begin to see all of these talking points because there's a 300-page memo that they've sent out how to smear and slander a good man like Jeff Sessions. It's unbelievable to me. But it's standard operating procedure for Democrats. I say all of this because it is what I told you last Tuesday. And this isn't, as much as this particular instance is about Jeff Sessions, it's really bigger than that. It's the Democrats now... They've tried everything they can do to delegitimize Donald Trump and his victory, phony recounts, phony stories about the Russians impacting the election. By the way, nobody picks up in the report that the NSA actually had a very different conclusion. And they very nicely said, well, they they don't quite have the same conclusion as these other agencies. They don't tell you that the State Department, the White House, the Department of Defense, the Postal Service, let's see, the IRS... The Department of Personal Management, in that case, 22 million Americans' personal files hacked by the Chinese. They didn't do a thing about that. This has been going on for over a decade. Nobody lifted a finger to bring us cybersecurity. And and by the way, who trusts Putin? How did we get from I interview Assange and ask him questions? I ask him, do you know Putin? Have you talked to Putin? Have you talked to a surrogate? Have you ever met a surrogate? Have you ever talked to Trump? No. Ever talked to Trump surrogates? No, 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 no. What am I supposed to do? Beat another answer out of the guy? You can only ask so many questions so many ways, and then you either believe him or not. We report, you decide. I don't care if you decide and disagree with me on it. It doesn't matter. But it's newsworthy. But for 10 years, WikiLeaks hasn't been wrong. Nobody disputes how correct they were about how corrupt the Clintons were in the Clinton campaign how they cheated poor Bernie Sanders out of out of having a shot at the nomination, <laughs> how they colluded with the mainstream media. Every big media outlet was exposed, how corrupt financially the Clinton Foundation is and, and every other lie in between. Oh, Mick, WikiLeaks is horrible. No, they actually exposed a level of corruptness that is disgusting. And people would love to distract from that. And the fact that after over a decade of hacking... The Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, Putin, Russia, they're all hacking us. That's a national embarrassment and disgrace on our part. 
And at least Trump said he's going to put together some group of of experts and fix it. How long are we going to let the Chinese hack into our our government agencies? My God. And, and everybody, nobody seemed to care when Hillary Clinton had her server in a in a mom and pop shop bathroom closet for crying out loud. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? No. I am just telling you, if you want change in this country, it's going to take more than pulling the lever for Donald Trump. The Democrats want to destroy him. They want to they want as much collateral damage as possible. You say, well, Hannity, it's just you're really over the top. No, we've criminalized political differences now in this country, i.e. the IRS. Meryl Streep, was she upset about that? We'll get into that later in the program. Was she upset about Fast and Furious giving guns to kidnappers and drug lords and drug dealers? No. And not even putting a GPS on the guns? How stupid are we? So I'm telling you that Sessions is only the beginning. It's going to be Supreme Court nominees. It's going to be other cabinet nominees. It's going to be reducing the corporate tax to 15%, going from seven brackets to three, and getting rid of burdensome regulation. It's going to be repealing, replacing Obamacare. You think the environmental extremists are not going to go nuts when we build the, the Keystone Pipeline and allow fracking and we allow drilling and we allow coal mining? They're going to go nuts. The NEA is not going to go nuts when we send education back to the states. Cries of racism aren't going to go out when the wall starts to get built. You know, these, we know these Republicans in Washington, their knees go wobbly and they've got weak spines. Trump doesn't have that. That's not his problem. That is the problem of Congress, though. And if you want these things to stop, by the time I get on the air tomorrow, you're going to see that there will be another Borking, another Clarence Thomas attack, another accusation of Republican racism that is a falsehood, an outright lie. See if I'm wrong. 800-941-SHAWN. We'll get into this a little bit with Joe DeGeneva when we get back. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. It is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, you will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, and school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. Do what you believe in, or shut up and admit you've lost your courage and your guts to stand up. I ain't having no march. I believe in fight. Well, fight this. Ain't nobody holding you. Man, oh! Put it in the crack and walk right around here. Ain't nobody ever told you I knocked the gun out your hand. 
the first sort of mainstream African American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and a nice looking guy. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So fully, I'm not joking. I'm actually old enough to remember the good old days, and they weren't all that good in many ways. That message, where I'll give you America great again, is if you're a white southerner, you know exactly what it means, don't you? Mitt Romney, he's speaking to a population of this, a segment of the population who does not like to see people other than a white man in the White House or in any other elected position. I don't know how anyone of Hispanic heritage could be a Republican, okay? Do I need to say more? Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. No, I think that they played the race card on me. And we now know from memos from the campaign and everything that they plan to do it all along. On June 7th, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. All right. That, of course, is Clarence Thomas. And that, of course, is the hearings of Robert Bork. Probably no single person more qualified than him to be on the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas has become one of the greatest justices in modern times. Yeah, he's quiet on the bench, but he's one of the sharpest thinkers that uh, the Supreme Court has had in, in, in many, many decades. Thank God he's been there. Thank God for the sake of the country. And then, of course, you have a series of Democrats, and, and what are they doing? They constantly, repetitively, compulsively try and smear and slander innocent people. Now, starting tomorrow, the confirmation hearings begin in terms of Donald Trump, uh, Trump's cabinet picks. The first person up will be Jeff Sessions, who is a senator from Alabama. And like in the past, when they did this one other time, when he was up for another job many years ago, a federal judgeship 30 years ago, he was smeared and he was slandered. And now Democrats have chosen this person, the Reverend Al Sharpton, to look into his past and lead the Democratic attack on Sessions. This guy. I'm tired of the Megan Beach. You ain't nothing. You're a punk faggot. Now come on, do something. David, David. Yes. You want to be the only nigga on television. The only nigga in the newspaper. The only nigga can talk. Don't cover them. Don't talk to them. Because you got the only nigga problem. Because you know if a black man stood up next. 
next to you, they would see you for the whore that you really are. White folks was in the cave when we had built empires. We learned to admire them, but they knew to admire us. We built pyramids for Donald Trump ever knew what architecture was. We taught philosophy and astrology and mathematics before Socrates and them Greek homos ever got around. White Interloper, I said I was wrong. Uh, uh, cracker, though I think Cracker is a certain personification of a certain type of person down south, just like Redneck. I mean, you know, some people misinterpret Cracker meaning all whites is not true, but the confusion means you shouldn't use it. I mean, sometimes being flippant, you say things you shouldn't say because it gets in the way of your message and people don't really understand what you're saying. So as I discussed in the last hour, the same tactic that is used every election year, the same tactic that is used to smear, libel, slander good people, like Robert Bork, like Clarence Thomas, is going to be used again. They won't tell you in in these committee hearings tomorrow that Senator Sessions voted in favor of a 30-year extension of the Civil Rights Act. They won't tell you that he was only, only one of 17 Republicans that voted to confirm, and I actually think this was a mistake, Eric Holder. They won't tell you that he spearheaded the effort to award the Congressional Gold Medal to Rosa Parks, an Alabama native and a civil rights icon or work with Cory Booker that Sessions led the fight to award the Congressional Gold Medal to the foot soldiers of the Civil Rights Movement in Selma, Alabama, or that he publicly supported ongoing efforts to commemorate within the National Park Service the heroic actions of the 61 Freedom Riders in Anniston and Calhoun County, Alabama. They won't tell you his record going up against the Ku Klux Klan or the Crack uh, Crack Cocaine Fair Sentencing Act, which disproportionately impacted black Americans. They're not going to tell you that he was involved in the Ku Klux Klan uh, federal enforcement, civil rights enforcement case of Henry Hayes or all these other cases. Anyway, Joe DeGeneva is with us. And Joe, of course, longtime friend of the program and a founding partner of the Washington, D.C. law firm, DeGeneva Tunsing Incorporated. How many jobs have you had in Washington over the years? Oh, well, you know, U.S. attorney, independent counsel, counsel to Senate and House committees. It's been a long and a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, am I right in my history? Am I right in Absolutely. what I described? Yeah. And how bad Absolutely. is it going to be? And, and do you, am I going to be right about what they're planning for tomorrow? Look, if they're bringing in Al Sharpton to do this, this is nothing but a smear campaign that they're going to start. And this is day one of the confirmation hearings. Well, you're absolutely right, Sean. What is true is we have a good and decent man who has served his state and his country with honor, distinction, and integrity. And his false accusers are a collection of misfits, liars, perjurers, and miscreants who have opposed him for political reasons. The Democratic Party has decided once again to try and bork a decent person who ultimately, I tell you, is going to be confirmed. The United States Senate is not going to refuse to confirm him. But what is a shame is that in the process of getting confirmed, the Democratic Party demeans itself, demeans the the American people, and demeans the civil rights movement by making a joke and lying about the record and the history of a fantastic public servant, Jeff Sessions. Uh, What's interesting is Sharpton's not going to be a witness. He's going to be a rabble-rouser outside, uh, causing trouble both in the media and elsewhere. But when you look at the people back in the 1980s who testified against Jeff Sessions, the same types are here today. One of the witnesses against Sessions 
was found later to be delusional. He was indicted for bribery. He was a wife abuser whose wife divorced him. He was held in contempt by, by the federal circuit. That was a witness named Thomas Figures, a horrible person. Another person who testified against him, who is now proven to, to testify falsely during Jeff Sessions' confirmation hearing for a judge, was a guy named Gerald Ebert, a guy from the Civil Rights Division. He actually testified, uh, and then two days, three days later, he had to recant his testimony uh, that he had given under oath to the United States Senate about Jeff Sessions. Uh, and it, so it goes on. It's continuing. They're using the same tactics. And the thing that really is, that, that I like about what's going on tomorrow is, is that a liberal and moderate Republican senator named Susan Collins from Maine is going to introduce him to the committee and recommend that he be confirmed. And I give her a lot of credit to standing up to the Democrats and the rabble-rousers and the, the, the people who are, who are basically defaming Jeff Sessions. You know, I have known and interviewed in my 30-year radio career, 21 years now, I'm, I'm in my 21st year of Fox, a lot of people. And I've come to know this man really well personally. And every yes. senator says the same thing about him. He's one of the nicest, most decent people. And even over the weekend, I mean, I, I saw quotes from Senator Coons of... Uh, uh, Delaware and other people, a lot of Democrats really like him. And it's like they're being forced to go after somebody that they do Bible study with, work out with, because all these pressure groups on the left are insisting that these allegations against him are so true. But meanwhile, they're all patently false. And this happens every single every, time. Every single, every single allegation that has been made against Senator Sessions has been proven to be completely false no matter what it is, no matter what the subject matter, and witnesses have found to have lied. They've had to recant their testimony. Uh, it is really quite remarkable how far the left will go and some of, the, some of the horrible elements that are left in the civil rights community will go to defame a good and decent person. But I, I predict that he's going to survive this. He's going to be a great witness. He's going to answer all the questions that are put to him. And I think the senators will ultimately confirm him, will confirm him in very short order, although the Democrats are going to try to delay any votes on his and other Republican nominations for the cabinet as a tactic. It's not going to work. McConnell's not going to stand for it. Well, I hope not, because there was an article written today, and I, I hope there's some promise in this article. And the double standard it was on Fox News, as a matter of fact, the way that uh -huh. in 09, cabinet picks literally slid right through and... Mitch McConnell is saying he's not going to allow this double standard. I mean, but on record, we already know without even a choice being made, we have people like Chuck Schumer who praised Jeff Sessions, Pat Leahy who praised Jeff Sessions, that they're going after him and they won't support any Supreme Court nominee choice of Donald Trump. Well, what's, what's interesting is when Barack Obama was first elected and in January, as he was being sworn in, on that very day that Barack Obama was sworn in, sworn in, he had seven of his cabinet members confirmed. And within the following week, five more were confirmed so that he had 12 cabinet members within one week of having, being sworn into office. The Democrats are shameless. It's absolutely disgusting what they are trying to do now to President-elect Trump. 
Well, I, it's very predictable, though. The reason I brought up yes. Bork and the reason I brought up poor Clarence Thomas, he's another person that I have known in my life, uh, just on the periphery, but one of the most decent human beings I've ever met, met who has a fidelity to the law and the Constitution of the United States. And all these good men and women have been smeared and slandered. They just, there's, there's absolutely no level they seem they won't sink. I've got 30 seconds. The, the reason the Democrats no longer control the House and the Senate, have lost a series of governorships, have lost most of the state houses, is because of tactics like this. They are tone deaf. They do not understand that the American people do not know what they are doing. And the best answer to them is to confirm Jeff Sessions as quickly as possible. All right, Joe DeGenovo, another one of the most decent people I've ever met, a real fighter. He's married to Victoria Tunsing. By the way, you definitely got the better of that deal. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> she, 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 she. No, I'm listen. just being honest. I she's mean, a much I, better lawyer than I am. She's uh, she's better looking too, with all due respect. I mean, <laughs> well, there's no question she's better looking than I am. <laughs> all right, you're both dear friends. God bless you. I hope I'll see you guys uh, at the. I'm working the inauguration. I'm not going. I'm working. Uh, hopefully, we'll, well see that. Good. All right, my friend. God Enjoy bless you. It. Thank you. You watch. This is going to happen tomorrow. <clears throat> I have read uh, literally thousands of intelligence reports. WikiLeaks specializes in publishing a wide range of information, but that includes diplomatic uh, and uh, intelligence uh, reports. The um, report which was uh, released on Friday, the principal author is the CIA, whose current head is John Brennan, uh, is not an intelligence report. Uh, it does not have the structure of intelligence report. It does not have the structure of a presidential daily brief. Uh, it is, uh, frankly, uh, quite embarrassing, uh, I think, to the reputation of the U.S. intelligence services uh, to be putting out something that claims to be a report like that. Uh, this is uh, a press release. Uh, it is clearly designed for uh, political effect, and U.S. intelligence services have been politicized uh, by the Obama administration in the production of this report and a number of others. All right, that was Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, earlier today, 24 now, till the top of the hour. You know, it's amazing how, in spite of everything that I have been telling people, the White House being hacked, the State Department being hacked, the IRS being hacked, the Postal Service being hacked, Department of Personnel Management, 22-plus million people's personal information hacked by the Chinese in 2014 alone, and the president doesn't say a word. But everybody's fixing, well, Hannity, he let WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange speak. He must be a commie sympathizer. That's how stupid these people are. And my argument has been, of course, you never trust Putin. You don't trust Russia. You don't trust China. You don't make idiotic deals like Iran, you, you, like the president did. You know, you don't trust our enemies. What you do is you recognize this has been going on for well over a decade. And then you start asking, why does our government allow this to continue? Now, Donald Trump, to his credit, said he's convening some type of White House group of people and experts so that they will with, with the task of fixing this problem. Unbelievable. Andrew Zeem is the founder and lead developer of Bleachbit, of course, now infamous from Hillary Clinton and her private email server that was in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet. David Kennedy's with us. He's the principal security consultant of a trusted SEC LLC, a white hat hacker group. And uh, anyway, so Julian Aspange spoke out this morning and basically said it was a press release and had basically the conclusion mocking this report as as it is. Uh, Andrew Zeem, you know, I'm pointing out all these examples where our government has been hacked, including 
22 million people, their private information, hacked by the Chinese. Nobody nobody raised an eyebrow. The president never even mentioned it. Why all the attention to this? Is it political in your view? The timing uh, tells us that it's political, right? Um, during the Obama administration, it's been going on. And then suddenly, as President-elect Trump suddenly wins the election, to many people's surprise, uh, there's this scrutiny whether his election results are possibly invalid. Yeah, I think this is what it's all about. And the reality is, and this is something that you're obviously an expert in, is we don't have cybersecurity. We don't. Our government doesn't have cybersecurity. And Julian Assange and WikiLeaks was founded 10 years ago. And this obsession with with trying to discover whether there's a connection to Assange and Russia. My question is, why were we vulnerable after every government agency has pretty much been hacked in the last 10 years? Why haven't we fixed the problem? Isn't that the right question? Yeah, it's definitely the right question. Um, security is complicated. Uh, we have fundamentally insecure systems, inconsistently applied security procedures. And uh, another part of it is the political aspect. As you mentioned, uh, Obama hasn't put any consequences on Russia or China or others who have tried to hack the United States. So they'll continue doing it, knowing that they can get away with it. Yeah, by the way, has bleach bit been selling in greater numbers since you became so infamous? I know, I guess it's free, but but I'm sure you have some way of making money, right? Uh, yeah, your show and all the publicity a few months ago was a huge boost. Um, shortly after, after I was on your show, I started selling uh, what I call the cloth or something. We all remember <laughs> when Hillary Clinton was asked... You mean like a cloth you, or something? Did you like this or yeah. What, like with a cloth or something? No. <laughs> you got a button for that. Yeah, so I made a real microfiber cloth with Hillary's picture on it, and that's been selling like hotcakes, and probably just as much as uh, the Russian hacking has changed the results of the election. Wow. David, what are your thoughts on this? Am I asking the right question, or am I missing something here? The fact that every government agency was hacked, and we've never fixed the problem or solved the problem, including, by the way, the 2008 election, the Russians tried to influence that. I noticed Democrats, they kind of bypassed that little fact in their in their talking points. But my frustration is with the fact that we have never fixed cybersecurity. Well, Sean, this is this is actually an interesting point because you know I was I was a former intel analyst um, for for the United States military. I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was an intelligence analyst. I had a high level clearance, and I can say that the the folks that do um, the actual intelligence gathering are very solid folks. I mean, we have some we have the most amazing intelligence capabilities that you can possibly imagine. The interesting part about all this is is that. You know, the Obama administration is trying to make what we call attribution, to attribute a hack or, or multiple hacks or things to an actual government, which they've never really previously done before. And that's, that's, the, that's the political part about this. And the way that they're doing it is they released uh, what was called a joint analysis report, a JAR, as well as the, the DNI, the, the Director of National Intelligence uh, report, that outlined what they were trying to build as far as credibility. And these documents were so vague that they literally provided uh, zero value or any evidence whatsoever uh, to be able to attribute it back to a specific country, which was the entire intent of those, those two documents. Um, so it's, it's very suspicious that, you know, you have this. But one thing I will say is that, you know, hacking has, has really been the Wild West, um, you know, over a number of years. You know, even when I was in, you know, there's been no rules of engagement. There's, no, there's been no law. There's been no agreements between countries on who can hack another, uh, one another. And we hack Russia all the time. In fact, you heard... The president, you know, right um, during the period of election, saying that if Russia hacks the election, we already have hacked the Kremlin. We have already hacked into Russia and we will retaliate. So my question is, is that 
Russia hacking into us um, is nothing different. They've been doing it for us for military preparedness, intelligence gathering purposes. Well, I think for it's a very even, long time it, it, we've known it. I think that's a great point, David. And I also think it gets worse than that. If it, if the question is whether or not it's proper to influence elections, well, at least we know Russia's an enemy. We know Putin's right. an enemy. Uh, what do we make of the fact that President Obama actively and with taxpayer money and with his entire election team tried to unseat and impact the re-election of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel. That's just a fact. That, that, we, there's a whole lineage of what we have done um, in different election cycles, or even just looking at you know the cyber operations that we did against uh, Iran a number of years ago with Stuxnet and Flame, where we sent back and hacked into the nuclear facilities into Iran. And then we go and we have a treaty with them you know, and, and have much better relations apparently now, right? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different things that we do, um, and we have a whole dedicated group to just hacking into other countries. And there's you know, if this wasn't a political thing, what you would see come out of this from the Obama administration would be, hey, how do we get better at defense to protect our infrastructure, to protect you know, our government, our energy grid? You know, how do we get better as a nation to do that? And let's sit at the table with world leaders to d- discuss, you know, what the ramifications are for hacking. All right, you, you, two, you two are far more advanced in computer and technology usage than I am. And I, I I defer to both of you in terms of this question and your expertise, because I could barely download an app on my phone and I have my daughter do it. So I'm not the right guy to answer this question. Andrew, is it possible, knowing what we know about attacks from China, Russia, uh, Iran, North Korea, other countries that has been going on for a long time now, over a decade, is it possible to fix this problem to make our government servers impenetrable? And how long would it take? Um, the short answer is we're not going to be able to fix this anytime soon. It's a, it's a complicated mess. How long is we can't fix it anytime soon? Um, I think to really be secure, I think we'd need a, a radical, radical shift in our uh, technology and, and policies. In other words, but if we let's say we brought together some of the best and brightest minds in computers and programming, and maybe even Bill Gates and the head of Apple, bring all these guys in and say, we need your help, we need your patriotism on display here. How long would would it take then? Is it something if we hired enough people with the right skill set that we could fix it within six months, a year, two years? Uh, Microsoft, Apple, a lot of other smart people are working on this. Some security firms are, are totally dedicated uh, to security, uh, you know, David Kennedy, uh, on Friday, you had a guy um, in doing artificial intelligence, which is the kind of stuff that we need, uh, but it's not, it's not enough. Uh, you'll see, for example, um, Microsoft Windows that a lot of government systems are based on comes out with security updates every month, but uh, there are smart hackers out there who get these vulnerabilities before the updates are pushed out, and that gives them this window of uh, vulnerability and access into our systems before uh, the United States even has access to, to patch them. Uh, that's a fundamental problem. Those kinds of things need to be fixed. Because I had, David, I'll ask you the same question, and we had some computer experts on the program last week, and they said it was actually a fairly easy fix. They, they disagree a little bit here with Andrew. 
Uh, I would agree with Andrew. Um, I would say that, that you know, security is, is something that, that no one's quite figured out yet. I mean, there's a lot of, of competing ideas on what the best solution is to fix, you know, artificial intelligence being one of those, but we're not there yet. And we probably won't be there for another five or 10 years, um, you know, or, you know, better defenses in order to, to build multiple layers. The problem is, is that the United States government still considers, you know, information security essentially the same as they do a car part um, and, and goes out to the lowest bidder. And that's very difficult in a very decentralized infrastructure. So you have different departments running their own IT infrastructure, you know, as we saw with um, the IRS not being able to get backups, you know, certain government agencies may have better IT than others. And so until you can centralize it under one umbrella and really provide IT services out of a central government type of, of, of system, you're going to have, it's going to be very difficult to, to actually go through and secure this infrastructure. The government but why, why for example, do I read all the time that Apple has encryption and even the FBI had a very, very difficult time breaking their encryption. And I would think that the FBI would be experts at that. So in other words, if they can make an iPhone that is fairly safe, if you don't click on links or, or emails uh, that people send you, these phishing techniques, aren't you 99% secure? Alas, you just hit, you just hit on the, the point there. As long as people don't click on links, and people will always click on links, unfortunately. And, 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 and we, what we find time and time again with all of the different breaches that we see is that it starts with humans clicking the link. You can design the most secure, you know, lockdown, you know, system possible, but a human being will always click a link. Podesta was a great, great um, example of that, of clicking a link. And, and well, he had a password, a password, which, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. But, um, you know, on top of that, you know, it, it's very difficult to train human beings to stop doing these these fishing exercises i mean are you confident that for example people's iphones are safe blackberries are safe uh i think i think they're, they're getting there i don't think they're 100 percent impervious and i definitely think that there are, are you know there are vulnerabilities and exploits that come out for iphones there are vulnerabilities and exploits that come out for blackberry for android um so there, there are ways of getting around security but i would say iphone is, is definitely in a top class around having the most security built into the phone, but it's different when yeah. you go into, you know, your day-to-day computer. It's, it's much different. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, the iPhone's pretty good, but we have to remember that the, the Russian attacks and the cyber espionage isn't really happening on, on iPhones, right? It's happening on... Um... Well, it's happening to government agencies. I mean, they're not... And the thing about John Podesta's emails, I mean, he was stupid enough to click on a phishing link, and that got them right into the entire server which, by the way, was in a mom-and-pop bathroom closet, for crying out loud. Bingo. And uh, there's always this uh, tension between uh, insecurity, between things being safe and secure and them being uh, usable. Uh, people aren't going to tolerate changing their passwords frequently and, and going th- uh, through hoops. Does that make a difference if you change your password frequently? It does. I would also recommend putting two-factor authentication in place, which you can enable on your your, your emails and your uh, social media accounts. So you have to enter in a random PIN number. Two-factor authentication is probably one of the best methods for defeating these in case your password gets hacked. Yeah. Uh, I think the average person is kind of like me. I mean, we just I use my fingerprint to open my, my phone like everybody else. And, you know, I actually, Sean, there's actually techniques if you... You're on you're on TV quite a bit, um, and in in the high def, I, if you have your hands up and you can actually see your fingerprints, you can actually recreate your fingerprint and, and create a Jello mode off of it to get into your phone. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! No, <laughs> they did it off of Tony Blair. Did they um, really? They off a picture? Yeah. Wow, and they got into his phone. Well, they just use it as an example of how they could recreate um, somebody's fingerprint. But, yep, you can pretty much get off it into anybody's phone with your fingerprint if you're on TV. It's the last time you see it, my phone on TV, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> uh, although it wouldn't be as interesting as people hoped. Uh, I actually have what I call burner phones that I use. Is that a smart idea? Yeah, I think so. You know, moving moving phones off, um, you know, to different phones. I actually, I mean, this is going to sound paranoid, but I actually wipe my computer once a month um, completely from scratch and then kind of rebuild it up just from being paranoid. And the average user probably doesn't need to do that. But 
I mean, um, you know, anywhere that you can save information securely, um, cloud is, is typically um, okay in certain capacities, but can be a, an issue, as we saw with a lot of the, um, the celebrities that were hacked um, based off of phishing. So, you know, I recommend keeping local storage and backups of all of your information. Yeah, well, thank you both. You know what? I admire bo- both of you for what you do. I think it's hilarious, by the way, Andrew, that you came up with this. You mean like with a cloth, uh, which is the new Bleach Bit, and I guess the people can buy it. What's your website if people want to get a hold of it? Bleachbit.org. Okay. Well, maybe somebody will hack into that, and we'll see how good it works. Uh, thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. When we come back, news roundup, information overload. Of course, the controversy, Meryl Streep at the Golden Globe Awards. We'll get to that. We'll get to your calls. Thank you, Hollywood Foreign Press. Just to pick up on what Hugh Laurie said, you and all of us in this room really belong to the most vilified segments in American society right now. Think about it. Hollywood, foreigners, and the press. But who are we? And, and, you know, what is Hollywood anyway? It's just a bunch of people from other places. I was educated in the public schools of New Jersey. Viola was born in a sharecropper's cabin in South Carolina. Came up in Central Falls, Rhode Island. Sarah Paulson was born in Florida, raised by a single mom in Brooklyn. Sarah Jessica Parker was one of seven or eight kids from Ohio. Amy Adams was born in Vicenza, Veneto, Italy. And Natalie Portman was born in Jerusalem. Where are their birth certificates? And the beautiful Ruth Nega was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, raised in London, no, in Ireland, I do believe. And she's here nominated for playing a small town girl from Virginia. Ryan Gosling, like all the nicest people, is Canadian. And Dev Patel was born in Kenya, raised in London, and is here for playing an Indian raised in Tasmania. So Hollywood is crawling with outsiders and foreigners. And if we kick them all out, you'll have nothing to watch but football and mixed martial arts, which are not the arts. An actor's only job is to enter the lives of people who are different from us and let you feel what that feels like. And there were many, many, many powerful performances this year that did exactly that. Breathtaking, compassionate work. But there was one performance this year that stunned me. It it sank its hooks in my heart. Not because it was, there was nothing good about it, but it was effective and it did its job. It made its intended audience laugh and show their teeth. It was that moment when the person asking to sit in the most respected seat in our country imitated a disabled reporter, someone he outranked in privilege, power, and the capacity to fight back. It, it kind of broke my heart when I saw it, and I still can't get it out of my head because it wasn't in a movie. It was real life. And this instinct to humiliate when it's modeled by someone in the public platform, by someone powerful, it filters down into everybody's life because it kind of gives permission for other people to do the same thing. Disrespect invites disrespect. Violence incites violence. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. Okay, this brings me to the press. We need the principled press to hold power to account, to to call them on the carpet for every outrage. That's That's why our founders enshrined the press and its freedoms in our Constitution. So I only ask the famously well-heeled Hollywood Foreign Press and all of us in our community to join me in supporting the Committee to Protect Journalists because we're going to need them going forward and they'll need us to 
safeguard the truth. All right, Meryl Streep, what's her name? Last night at the Golden Globe Awards. You know what stands out the most in my mind about all of this is, well, those, that's not art, football, MMA. Oh, that's like clinging to your bitter people in Pennsylvania, clinging to God, guns, and and religion. The basket of irredeemable deplorables that Hillary Clinton talks talked about in the campaign that helped her lose the election, by the way, not the Russians. And it is, you know, you think back in the Obama, years and these sanctimonious, self-righteous, phony liberal hypocrites with their private jets polluting the atmosphere that they claim is suffering from global warming. By the way, 49 states have snow or ice in them right now. 49. That includes southern states that never get snow or ice. They all have it. And uh, I'm, I'm just listening to all this and I'm thinking, you know, I just can't I can't tolerate this anymore. Yeah, she wants to support the press because the press colluded with Hillary Clinton to win the election, as we all know, thanks to WikiLeaks. But um, it doesn't surprise me. Anyway, joining us to talk about it, Chris Hahn is the host of the ever so popular and growing three affiliates now, the Chris Hahn Show. Fox get ready, baby. Are you up to three or two? Oh, get ready. 2017 is going to be my year. How many How many affiliates do you have? I have three, and I'm working on about 10 more right now. Listen, I, I've never felt my success is predicated on other people failing. If you want this to succeed, I wish you the best, and that may surprise I, you. I appreciate it. Also, Ami Horowitz, documentarian, satirist, here to debate and discuss the global Golden Globes. You know, I'm watching it all the faces, and except for, like, Mel Gibson. And who was the other guy next to Mel Gibson? Um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. I mean, you just see their snarky, sanctimonious, self-righteous, you know, leftist point of view. Hollywood once used to be conservative. You know, you had patriots like Bob Hope and Jimmy Stewart, but also Joe Concha of the Hill is with us. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. What was your reaction to this? My reaction was that that was fake news front and center that Meryl Streep was pushing last night. <laughs> it's so true, right? And I'll tell you why, man. I mean, this is no one's reporting this. I'm literally the only person that has written this today. Donald Trump was not mocking that reporter. Thank you. He, he was not. I have video evidence. Everybody has it, actually. Go to YouTube. He used the same exact gestures in terms of flailing his arms and making those sounds to mock himself on Larry King in, in 2005, to mock Ted Cruz, to mock a general, a fictitious one that he said was having trouble fighting ISIS, to mock bank regulators. He's done this over and over again. It's, it's, it's his default mocking, mimicking style. And it had nothing to do with that reporter being disabled, which, by the way, his disability is limits him from any movement like that, and he speaks perfectly. He wasn't mocking his disability. That's just a Trumpism, and everybody's running with that narrative because Meryl Streep said so. That's such a great point. How do you answer that, Chris Hahn, of the Chris Hahn Show? Well, I think that we should have been calling out Mel Gibson, the anti-Semite sitting there in the room, who Deflection. You know, immediately immediately <laughs> went. By the way, to... wait, 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 let's stop there. Deflection. <laughs> deflection, deflection, <laughs> deflection. Why, why don't you respond? Why don't you respond? Why don't you respond to what Joe said? I'm asking you about what uh, Joe well, said. Well, Joe did talk about how great a patriot uh, Mel Gibson was. I there. was. I did. When did I say that? Oh, Play back the tape. Oh, I double dare you to define where I said anything about Mel Gibson. Well, I triple you did, dare you. You, you did just. I mentioned that Mel the Gibson only people that looked shocked in the room were Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. They were like, "What?" So, I mean, why don't you answer what he's saying? Is that he has all this video that he did it to himself and to other people on Larry King Live and elsewhere. So it proves he wasn't mocking anybody. And if we're going to talk about it, you know, let's talk about all the vicious, horrible things that the left have been saying about Donald Trump in the last year. Look, including again, a president of the United look, States. 
look here. The bottom line is this: yeah. uh, when, I'm when waiting you're, for when the bottom line. With, when you're dealing with Hollywood celebrities, you're always going to have protests about whatever's going on in the country. And yes, many Americans, myself included, feel that what he did uh, when he made those motions were directed at that reporter. Maybe they were. Maybe they weren't. I haven't seen Joe's report, but you know my underlying feeling is it was. And I think that uh, I think that the president-elect now understands that he's got to be very careful in what he says. And I think that's one of the episodes that taught him that. What's your so, reaction, Ami Horowitz? I think, that, I mean, getting away from, from, the, uh, from the mocking thing, I, going back to Meryl Streep, I just, it, it, it's, it amazes me how they simply don't get that this elitist patronizing of people in the politics and pontificating on the way people are supposed to think is exactly what got Donald Trump elected in the first place. But they can't help themselves when they see a podium and a, and a TV monitor to just have diarrhea of the mouth and continue to deride 50% of the film-going audience. They're so stupid. Listen, if I was an actor, you would never know what my politics are. Why would I want to tune out 50% of my audience? It doesn't make any sense. And by the way, I want to point one more thing out. And I don't know if you played this, Sean, because you want to make this point or not, but I caught it. When Meryl Streep was talking about the international flavor of the awards, and she mentioned the countries that people are from, when she mentioned the beautiful Natalie Portman, she said Jerusalem did not say Israel. I find that very interesting. Well, it's uh, listen. I, 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 my, my take on all she of this is Holly, Hollywood <laughs> is losing a lot of money now. It's not like it used to be. You still have a few breakout hits, but more often than ever before, they're losing a fortune. The formula is not working. What is the formula, though, Joe? It's sex. It's violence. It's drivel. There's nothing profound or deep or thought-provoking. Uh, really, to speak of, maybe once or twice a year you get a good movie out of, out of Hollywood, but otherwise it's all formulaic and it's all the same. It's sexism, basically, is what it sells, right? You don't see women more objectified than you see in Hollywood, right? Uh, but one more point about Streep, by the way. Uh, she also said that Trump supporters showed their teeth when they laughed at Trump mocking the disabled reporter, which he was not mocking. Um, and and that's, that's another big mistake that people make. You want to go after Trump? Fine. You better go after it with an honest narrative. But if you want to go after him, of course, that's part of the, the contract. But don't start attacking 61 million people that voted for him and paint them all as idiots or racists. It's a losing proposition. As you said, this is why Hillary Clinton lost and Donald Trump won, because Hollywood's influence, newspapers' influences, right? I think I shared this with you once. Hill did a, a, com a compilation of the number of newspapers that endorsed major in terms of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. 57 went to Hillary Clinton, two went to Donald Trump. That got her an acceptance, uh, I'm sorry, a concession speech. So influence of elitists, whether it be Hollywood or the media, is just dwindling now. So let Meryl Streep have her, have her speech. Uh, it doesn't matter. No one's listening anyway. You know, it's fa but there's this contempt, though, Ami, for the American people. Every day, Sweet Baby James gives me what I call the snowflake pack. You know, in today's snowflake pack, you've got Rosie O'Donnell wants Trump arrested. Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> wants to sue Donald Trump. Michael Moore calls for 100 days of resistance against Donald Trump. Um, we have the outgoing president, of course, he shared his best wishes with Hollywood, those that gave him all the money attending the awards, and an AP story, will Trump ruin the mood of the Golden Globes? And then you've got this Hollywood celebrity movie featured an emotional farewell to President Obama. Well, do they care about the 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, doubling of our national debt? You know, there's not one place around the globe that is better off since the eight years this man has been in the White House. Do they care about people like they say they do or what? 
Well, you and I have had this conversation a million times. It's, it's the contempt the left has for its own constituency, whether it be that voter ID law video that we talked about where they, they laughed at black people and their inability to access the Internet, or whether it be looking at half the population and saying, you guys are a bunch of idiots even though you're supposed to buy my movies, when you're in, like you just said, we're in the middle of a massive downturn in the film business. Nobody has ever, nobody's ever accused the people sitting in that ballroom of being a Mensa conference, okay? Clearly, they're more. There's no question about that. But, but, but beyond that, it's, it's this continuous derision and contempt for people they're supposed to care about, whether it be the poor, whether it be black people. That's what always drives me insane about the left. And, and, and obviously, when wow. we're talking about the left, well, well let, me, let me ask Chris Hahn of the Chris Hahn Show. So Hillary calls people a basket of irredeemable deplorables. Obama talked about bitter people in Pennsylvania clinging to their God, guns, Bibles, and religion. You have Hollywood contempt for MMA and football. By the way, my two favorite sports yeah. uh, at this point. And well, I'm thinking... Let, let, let's, let's face it. The, the Giants were not very artful yesterday, Sean. They okay, were, good point. But the, but the fact is, Democrats do have this contempt. All these people are a bunch of overpaid, rich Hollywood elitists that are trying to lecture the rest of America how they should live. We should drive our bicycles. Meanwhile, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mr. Global Warming himself, flies from Australia to Vegas to celebrate New Year's Eve not once but twice. Love. Uh, you know, I, I am not for those kind of statements condemning people's supporters. But I will say this: the contempt that you see in Democratic, uh, you know, in some progressives' uh, statements are not even close to being equal by some conservatives' policies. You got right now in Washington, they're talking about repealing Obamacare, but they don't care about the 30 million people who are going to lose their insurance. When they have a replacement bill, then we'll talk about who cares most about the American people. What do you think there, Joe Concha? 30 million people are losing their insurance. Is that is that a fact? Or That's the way it looks right now. It doesn't look, well, it doesn't look that way at all. As a matter of fact, Rand Paul talked to the president about having a replacement plan at the time they repeal it, which I actually think is a good idea. I agree. And there's been nine separate replacement plans that have been put forward by Republicans, all help people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, all of them help people in terms of affordability. So I'm not well, sure. They, I'm they, not they sure if you're. I'm not sure if you're. Fear, I'm not think, sure if you're fear-mongering that, talking points are working. I'm just talking about what Speaker Ryan said last week. He said, you know, it's going to take weeks and months to figure out what the replacement's going to be. I, you know, they could repeal it today if they want. But they won't have a replacement plan in place for months and weeks is what they're saying. So people will lose their insurance automatically is what you're saying on national radio right now. I'm saying right now is that I don't think that the Republicans on their own could come up with a replacement plan. So you're speculating that they they won't come up with something on their own. And you just Uh, stated as fact that 30 million people will lose their insurance. This is what drives people crazy about media. When you start making statements like that, that you can't back up in any capacity to fear monger, as Sean just said. Joe, it would be irresponsible to do to repeal without a replacement plan in place. You're going to make you just made. But you just said 30 million people and you're talking out of your ass is what he's saying. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to I don't think I am. I don't see I don't see them pass. Look, if that's the case, but you made but you made up the you made up the figure. You don't even know what you're talking about. 30 million people will be endangered of losing their insurance. Just because you oh now they're in danger. Oh, okay. Last word on me. I'm just amazed at the hard pivot we just made from the vapid Golden Globes to real hard policy discussion on Obamacare. Well done, Sean Hannity. All right. See, you know, there's amazing things that happen on the Sean Hannity show. So we we do things that no other show will do. Uh, Joe is probably one of, like, three media people that I actually respect and trust in America. I mean, that's how bad things have gotten. Uh, Thank you all for being with us. Appreciate your time. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone number is 800-941-SEAN. All right, as promised, uh, we're going to get to our busy telephones uh, now. We have Kimberly is in Charleston. She's in South Carolina. Kimberly, glad you called. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, what my issue is, is with the WikiLeaks, I'm just kind of really fed up with the fact that everybody keeps talking about the fact that they were hacked. Well, they obviously gave the opening to be hacked, and I think more about what they're irritated is, is the fact the information that was discovered when they were hacked. And their true colors, which are obviously not quite the red, white, and blue, but a little bit more on the grayish, and that we're finding out who they are and what kind of people they are, and that they're not a we the people, but it's all about me. So I don't know that it's, it's almost like a blame game. And you only play a blame game when you don't want to own up to what you've done. And it's just Look, it's I mean, still the, out of control. In the, in the particular case of Podesta, this was a phishing scam. This was nothing more than that. In other words, like, how many times have you on your own computer gotten, oh, click here and give us your information. Oh, we want to give you millions of dollars. Oh, your Google account is a mess. You need to give us the information. It's all yes. a lie. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm so proud of having LifeLock.com on this radio program, because not only do they alert you when somebody is using your information, but they also will fix a problem. Because once you get into this mess, I mean, it is it is beyond the pale. And look, I, you know, it's like this idiot Joe Scarborough. Oh, Hannity's romance with Assange is just what is repulsive. Well, him calling himself a conservative is repulsive. You know, him pathetically begging for a job constantly at Fox is repulsive. Him working on a network that is the single biggest, most biased network in the country is repulsive. And I could go on. And how's his radio show doing? Uh, That's repulsive, too. He has a radio show? No, he doesn't, actually. He did. But it's expanding. He says it's expanding. Um, But the fact of the matter is we've known about all of this. If you if you take it from the perspective, now we know there's no more excuses when WikiLeaks, in fact, released the standard operating procedures for Camp Delta or the Army Detention Camp at Gitmo. That's in 08 that they did this. Or in 2010, WikiLeaks releasing classified U.S. military video of a series of attacks in Baghdad that killed two Reuters uh, journalists there or the release of the Afghan war logs or the release of the Iraqi war logs or the release of U.S. diplomatic cables or the release of the Gitmo files or the release of the Syrian files. You know, all of this has happened, you know, eight years ago, seven, six, five, four years ago. And I keep pointing out to anybody that will listen. We have known about all of this forever and nobody has done a thing. And to, to sit here and blame as if this somehow is is Julian Assange and only his fault. No, Julian Assange is pointing out a glaring weakness in America's security. You cannot have national security and at the same time simultaneously having all of these countries hacking into all of these departments. I mean, we know Russia hacks. I, I don't trust Vladimir Putin as far as I can throw him. We know North Korea uh, hacks us. We know China hacks us. We know the Iranians hack us. You know, we know that our U.S. electrical grid has been hacked. The Pentagon's Joint Strike Fighter Project has been grid. NASA has been attacked and, and hacked. 
the Department of Energy, the FEC, the, the U.S. Postal Service, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the White House, for crying out loud, has been hacked. The State Department has been hacked. The Department of Defense has been hacked. So, you know, at some point, it becomes, it becomes our responsibility to fix it. And they have not fixed it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit perplexed that China steals 21, 23 million uh, specific accounts in the Office of, of Management and Personnel. And we didn't, until I said it yesterday, I don't think anybody knew about it. And Obama never uttered a word. I, Kimberly, I didn't mean to cut you off. You just got no. Me. You're fine. I was. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the rant. It, 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 the irritating thing is just that they're trying to say that they affected the election. No, what affected the election was what these people have done, and the fact that what they have done, the people don't want to deal with. The hacking didn't affect the election. Russia didn't affect the election. The Democrats' information and everything that was put out there that they didn't know was going to be put out there. That's what affected the election. I mean, it's just. It doesn't make any sense. No. They're just, again, trying to play the blame game. And the only time you start doing that is when you don't want to blame yourself and you try to find somebody else. Everything is their fault and not your own. And, and this ridiculous. At, at, listen, they don't like what was exposed here. I mean, they exposed all the media collusion with, you know, with uh, repulsive Joe Scarborough's network in particular. NBC was at uh, the heart of all of this. John Harwood, CNBC, MSNBC. Apparently they were they were feeding Hillary Clinton's team or Hillary Clinton's team was feeding them questions before interviews. I mean, that's his network. And they didn't like the fact that the media was exposed or the Clinton corruption or the money they're taking from Morocco or the the money for the wedding for Chelsea. And, you know, all the contributions that they were securing. I I mean, it's so corrupt. We learned two things from Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, and I give them all the credit that they deserve. And that is that they showed us we have no cybersecurity. We better wake up and fix that problem. And number two, as much as I knew government was corrupt, I never knew the depths of corruption until WikiLeaks. And that's just a fact. And for that, I am grateful because I trust nobody now. And I think we need to be vigilant. One of the things Assange said to me, you don't have to like him, but he's right about this. He said transparency leads to competency. We don't have competent government because they're not held accountable because they keep everything secret. To the extent that we can ex- we can open up government to we the people, we're going to be a lot better off. Anyway, Kimberly, great call. I appreciate your patience. Thanks for being with us. Sandy is in California. Sandy, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi, Sean. I think the problem with Joe Scarborough and other media types is they're jealous. And what the, the truth is, you work your butt off. You go out and you do the interview. And you know what? Your interview was much more hard-hitting than what and the Senate did. To me, that was just like a kangaroo court. Can you uh, – let me ask you a question. I appreciate your kindness, and I'm not worried about Repulsive Joe and his low-rated show. But I want to ask this. Is there any question that – and we haven't even aired all of it yet. Is there any question you wish I asked that I didn't? Because I didn't walk out of that interview feeling I had missed something. Well, there is one thing, but I don't know if he would have answered it. My honest opinion, yes, conspiratorial or not, is that young man that was murdered on his way to meet with the FBI may have been the very person who gave the information over to WikiLeaks. 
And I would love for somebody to be able to find that out. Well, the reason I didn't ask that question, because I did ask the question about the friend of his that, remember the report that was in the Daily Mail that suggested his friend, Craig Murray, had these documents from Podesta actually handed to him in a a wooded area outside of American University. And and it was the one time during the interview I felt a sense of annoyance on Julian's part, because I think he's annoyed that his friend went out and said that, because that is not the M.O. of WikiLeaks. They want to protect their sources completely, or else they, as he rightly said, they wouldn't have sources. I agree with that, but I really think that's probably what happened. And I think it was somebody from the Democrat Party. We might have to wait 20, 30, 40 years like we had to on the deep throat person. But uh, I think it's ridiculous that the intelligence agencies are leaking, and I'm still always going to be offended by the fact that they lied, along with Hillary and Obama, about Benghazi. And I cannot forgive them for that. And I'm so glad Clapper's going to be gone. And those other higher-ups, and I think the lower-level people are probably good people, but there's too much politics in the intelligence agency. Way too much. I, You know what? Very well said, very astute, very perceptive. And if, if people were listening to me for a long period of time now, I've said we've got to beef up cybersecurity, and I want that for our national defense. I believe in intelligence. I believe in covert operations. I even believe in plausible deniability. And I don't like the rules of engagement we put on our military men and women. You know, one of the questions I did ask, I was asking about the Iraq war, because they did release the video of the bombing that killed two Reuters reporters. And, you know, unfortunately, whenever there's a war, there's going to be collateral damage. And it's sad. I wish there was no war. I wish there was no such thing as radical Islam. I wish that Saddam Hussein, we didn't have images of the Kurds and children laying in the street that had been gassed by this madman. I wish Hitler never existed. I wish, you know, communism never existed. I wish the KGB, I wish, you know, but it's not reality. We have to understand that this world has much evil in it, and the best way to to defend against it is to have the strongest, meanest, toughest, and I'll add most secure and secretive in many ways, in many instances, military on the face of this earth. That guarantees our liberty and our freedom, because there are many people that would love to take that freedom away. What you know, the whole issue behind radical Islam is an Islamic caliphate, and that means convert or die. And that means you either convert to their way of life, their lifestyle, their culture, or you will be killed. And the purpose is to advance this worldwide. And people seem to forget what radical Islam is all about. All right, let's get to our busy phones. Thank you for a good call, though. Really appreciate it. Mary Beth is in Arkansas. Mary Beth, hi. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Hey, I want to congratulate you on the wonderful job you did on that interview. You just did a great job, and I think it's real ironic that, um, I'm sorry, it's really cold here in Arkansas, (laughs) running to my car. It's real ironic that Obama's building a wall around his house. Yeah. And we're probably going to get to pay for that. That that actually is one of the funnier things I think I've read in a long time. Yeah, he's building a wall around his house. Early news. You know, um, well, he needs the protection. You know, he needs to keep intruders out. I mean, it's so ironic, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's just a hoot. And one other thing. Um, I am really happy that Megan is leaving uh, Fox. 
Megyn Kelly's leaving Fox News. She should have left a long time ago. Well, look, I, w- I don't wish. I've always felt. That I know. I wish everybody the best. I've never had any issues with Megyn at all. Uh, look, politically, I probably disagree with her on on some issues in the campaign, but that's neither here nor there. And I wish everybody the best in this business. I've never been a person that felt my success is predicated on other people's failure or other people not doing well when it's just the opposite that that is true. I mean, the better that Tucker Carlson, who's a friend of mine, does, the better I'm going to do. It's a rising tide lifting all boats. And um, I wish her the best. And I wish Tucker, who's a good friend of mine, the best. And uh, I am very happy with where I am. I am very blessed to have now be in my 21st year at Fox, my 30th year in radio, and the fact that so many of you support me and allow me to do this every day is is something I never forget. Um, I, you know, as repulsive Joe was taking his cheap shot at me, I wrote him at one point, I'm like, well, you could have gotten on a plane like I did. I cut my vacation short, and I'm not patting myself on the back. This is what I do. This is my job. My job is to serve you, my audience. And I, one of the thing I was, things I was proudest of last year is we kept our promise. We kept our promise in 2015 that we made to you about our coverage. And my promise now is to fight to help change America for the better. That's my promise this year. And, you know, but Joe, Repulsive Joe could have gotten on a plane and cut his vacation short. And he could have flown eight hours and stay on the ground six hours and then turn around and fly eight hours back and asked any questions he wanted. But I guess he was too busy. 800 Nine four one Sean. If you want to be a part of this program, all right. So I want to give this homework assignment tonight. I've laid out the history of of the Democrats and how they slander and smear. We'll have a lot more on Hannity tonight about all of this, and it's really important. Senator Sessions, I've known for years. There's very few people, to be honest, that I like and trust in Washington. Lindsey Graham is not one of them. I don't trust a lot of the people outside of the Freedom Caucus in the House. I don't trust, and Louis Gohmert, he's not in the Freedom Caucus, but he should be. Um, I don't trust a lot of these guys in the Senate. I trust people like Rand, Paul, on most issues, Senator Cruz on most issues, Mike Lee on most issues, Senator Rubio on most issues. After that, there's not really a whole long list of people that I say are in the great category. Too many of them love their power. But mark my words, you're going to watch tomorrow. These hearings and see if I'm right that what they did to Bork, Clarence Thomas, what they do every four years, every election cycle, and that is play the race card, doesn't come out in full force tomorrow. Now, I don't think it's going to matter, but that's not the point. 202-224-3121 if you want to call Senator Grassley or any of these senators on the judiciary. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.